This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. But the ultimate prize is knowing Jesus through it all so that we can stand in confidence and say, I am loved, I am known, I am seen, I am cared for even in this great sorrow. And there's a day coming when everything will be made new, every tear will be wiped away, and these circumstances will be but fading pains that can't outweigh the glory that's to come. Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you find yourself scrolling social media, looking for an escape, or maybe sitting on your couch late at night, binge watching Netflix with a bag of chips? Well, there's so many ways in which we deal with our overwhelm that are less than healthy. But what does it look like to follow Jesus towards a path of peace? In this conversation, I chat with Anne Swindell. She's come out recently with a new devotional called The Path to Peace, where she examines several characters in the Bible and helps us understand them maybe in more slightly more modern terms to help us find peace even now, regardless of our circumstances. So listen in. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. Well, I'm joined today with Anne Swindell. She leads several writing communities, and she's here to chat a little bit about that, but as well as her new devotional that's come out called The Path to Peace experiencing God's comfort when you're overwhelmed. So we're so excited you can chat with us here. Thanks for being here, Anne. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ashley. I'm glad to be here today. You're welcome. So tell us, um, you know, you you talk just in that subtitle, right, that we're overwhelmed um, and, and probably no more, <laughs> probably even more so, you know, post-pandemic. Um, yeah, what, you know, tell us about the context in which you're, you're, you're working and writing. Totally. You know, this book was born out of a season, actually pre-pandemic, but then I wrote most of it during the pandemic. So it was a good test in learning how to actually live out the message of walking in Christ's peace when you're overwhelmed. But uh, this is coming out of a season of just pain in our own family. My husband had gotten fired from his ministry position for telling the truth. So that was super painful. And kind of, you know, when you work in the church and you lose your job, you also lose your community. And so we lost our community, our real sense of stability and his job overnight. And my son at the time was also dealing, he was little, he was like one at the time he was dealing with some significant health issues. And I just was waking up every morning, almost almost already in a panic attack, like every morning, just, you know, heart beating out of your chest, feeling overwhelmed about the day ahead and completely unsure of what our lives were going to look like moving forward. And I felt like in that season, um, 
praise the Lord for some good counseling and good, um, some friends who really did help us and uphold us in that season. I felt like the Lord was inviting me to figure out what it looked like to practically walk in the peace that I knew was biblically promised to me, but that I really was not experiencing on a daily basis. And so I really did a deep dive into the scriptures and I looked at men and women in the Old Testament at the New and I was considering, okay, they had circumstances that they didn't want, that they didn't choose, and yet they were able to walk in Christ's peace. And yes, these are heroes of the faith, but they were just men and women. They weren't supernatural other than they had either the presence of the Holy Spirit or the the voice of the Lord calling and directing them. And so I was really deeply both challenged and encouraged as I studied the word to say, hey, I do have access to peace because peace is a person. Peace is Christ himself. And so how can I walk in step with him so that even though my circumstances do feel overwhelming, I don't have to be overwhelmed as I'm facing them. Mm, Yeah. Before we get to what that looked like, you know, in your own life and then in your scripture study, Tell us about, you know, all the maybe, what are are some of our common maybe coping mechanisms for dealing with overwhelm, you know, about, you know, where do we go instead? Uh, How, what does that process look like? Or as you, as you have observed either in your own life or lives of those, you know? Yeah. I mean, in some ways, there's many different ways to pursue peace as there are people, right? Because we all have our own tendencies, our own preferences. But I will say one of the things that I've noticed in myself And honestly, I think just in broader culture in these days is just the desire to eject whenever something is hard. It's to pull away or to pull out. Um, This is in part why I think like many of us love looking at vacation bloggers online or on Instagram. (laughs) We just want to get away from the life that we have. And we think that if we can escape from the struggles, we will somehow feel better. If we can just be on a beach with a cold drink and our feet in the sand, you know, or a mountain, if that's your preference. Um, And similarly, I think whether it's maybe it's not physically getting away to a different place, but it's emotionally ejecting and it's emotionally or spiritually or relationally, relationally pulling away from other people or from ourselves just through numbing, you know, whether that's with Uh, food or alcohol or scrolling or video games or whatever. We all have ways that we we're just trying to escape from our lives because they feel so overwhelming. And I know my own tendencies, you know, like for me, reading is both a joy, but it can become an escape mechanism if I let it because I can try to live in somebody else's mind for a bit when mine feels like too much. Yeah. You know, I was recently reading, um, yeah, some book on family systems and I was like, Oh, like some of my, maybe some of my love of reading as a child was, you know, just, it was my way of dealing with just overwhelm, right? Or my emotions have always, you know, I've always considered them quote unquote too big, right? Um, And just realizing maybe that wasn't (laughs) just the bookishness in me. Anyway, this is not a therapy session, but, um, (laughs) you know, as we consider maybe a million different ways in which we choose to numb, to eject out of our lives, whether that's emotionally or our circumstances. What did you find in these stories that you have put together in your book that actually then helps us move through some of that overwhelm or to confront it head on? Yeah. You know, a a theme that I just see continually in the lives of these men and women. So I 
my first chapter starts with Sarah of Sarah and Abraham, or when we meet her, Sarai, um, Ruth, I look at Moses and then some others, but New Testament, you know, we look at Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus and uh, Paul. And there are these recurring, there's this recurring reality that these men and women were completely honest with God. They just did not hide. Now, I think Moses wanted to, obviously, but he even told God that. Like he told he told the Lord, like, I don't he had this incredible encounter with God and essentially says, No, thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I go. This yeah. is not what I would prefer, you know? And God in his kindness doesn't let him get out of his actual calling and, and who he is created to be. But I think it really first starts with being honest with the Lord and with ourselves to say, I am overwhelmed. This feels like too much. I don't like where I am. And that in and of itself is a beautiful gateway for God to do his work. And it doesn't usually mean that God says, okay, I'll just magically transport you, you know, out of this. (laughs) Right. He's not the genie in the sky. Right. But he is kind and he wants us to let him know. I'm just, I'm studying in first Kings right now. And this is not my book, but I think of Elijah when he is just distraught. And he's saying, you know, God, I'm the only one left. Like everybody's trying to kill me. God already knew that, but he actually asked Elijah twice, like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Just so Elijah could essentially unload on the Lord and tell him, because in in coming to God and in being honest with the Lord, we actually come to know ourselves better. And it's from that place that I think the Holy Spirit loves to use his word and his people and prayer to help us come to a place of walking in peace with him even when our lives are crazy. So what would you say, you know, if someone is in that that cycle of ejecting, what could be maybe some beginning steps to 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 name some of that overwhelm with God? Maybe they're just scared about that or they're worried that they will just like fall into that overwhelm and never get out of it. Um or just, you know, being washed over with anxiety or Maybe it's a reputational issue that if I really shared this with my church community or with my neighbor, they would no longer respect me. So how do we begin to take small steps towards towards naming and moving through? You know, I'll say some things that I know are in ideal circumstances and not all of us have ideal circumstances. But I do think as followers of Christ, it's so important that we have safe places and safe people. Uh, you know, from the beginning, the Trinity is three in one. The Christ brought about 12 disciples, this first small group we see in the church. There is this reality that Christian life is not meant to be and ultimately can't be lived alone. And we need other people to help us. And so I'm a pastor's wife. I have wonderful friends around me, but there's some of them I just can't share everything with, right? Because it wouldn't be safe. So I have another pastor's wife in a town, two towns over, (laughs) who is a a lightning rod. That's a phrase that we use in our marriage and in our family. Like you need to have a lightning rod, someone who can take all of your feelings and emotions and lovingly just kind of put them in the ground for you and say, I'll hear them. I'll carry them for you. I'm not going to carry them like ultimately for you, but I'll carry them long enough to let you put them in the ground (laughs) so we can all take a deep breath. And so ideally, all of us have at least one safe person that we can start sharing these things with, because sometimes even going to the Lord at first just feels too tender. But that person, if they love the Lord, can sit with you, can hear what you're saying, can pray for you if you're not even able to pray yet, can read scripture to you if you can't even get open the Bible yet. You know, one of my dear friends just went through a very 
painful divorce and, um, and circumstance surrounding that. And there were so many nights when we would just come to her house and read the scripture to her. She couldn't even, she didn't have the strength to read the Bible herself, but we could do it for her. And so having safe people and realizing that it's okay if you don't have that person yet, you might need to be that person for someone else um, to start that and to help create a, a sisterhood or a brotherhood or a community where openness like that is possible. So I'd say that's one of the first steps. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. You know, as we think about this practically, because there, you know, regardless of our circumstances, there's just moments, right, where we do feel overwhelmed and we don't know. We can only imagine peace in terms of our circumstances. As you were working on this book, um, what, which of the characters or stories maybe surprised you the most, uh, or or felt like, oh, this is this this is the sort of piece that speaks to this cultural moment. You know, I actually think it's the first chapter in the book is about Sarah. And I think in part, just because most of my study in the past, when it comes to Genesis and the men and women in Genesis, like I feel like I've honed in on Abraham, but I hadn't done a lot of study just on Sarah, um, who is not as central to the story, but is just as important. And one thing that has really struck me about her experience and her coming to know Yahweh this God of the Bible who became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is that, you know, Abraham or Abram at the time comes down from this experience with a God she's never heard of and essentially says, it's time to get up and go. Where are we going? Don't know. Okay. (laughs) She's a woman in the Old Testament. She has little to no legal rights. Um, She has little to no power in Old Testament and just ancient culture in general, right? Women were often seen as property. But in God's kindness, I think this is what really has spoken to me about her story. The fact that Sarah didn't have a choice in the changes that were happening to her was actually a gift to her. She had no power. She had no way to alter what God had put in place. Now, she who knows at this point if she actually believed in Yahweh. She just had to follow her husband, who seemed like he was losing his mind, probably. But it was that lack of choice that actually became the conduit through which God worked in her life. And that's been a deep encouragement to me to say, gosh, there are so many circumstances in my life I never would have chosen for myself. Other people made choices that impacted me negatively or made my life more difficult. I mean, I think the fact none of us choose our parents, right? But how we're parented shapes us for the rest of our lives. And yet so often it is through those conduits, those choices that we never would have made, those circumstances we never would have put ourselves in, that God is at work and will work. He can bring beauty from ashes. He can redeem what seems irredeemable. And so Sarah's story gives me a lot of hope because she did not get to choose this huge life change, but it was the way that God involved her in becoming part of the family of God and becoming the matriarch of this beautiful lineage of faith that you and I are still living out today. So that gives me a lot of encouragement that God works through circumstances that I don't want and didn't choose. Mm-hmm. I think that's so helpful because I think, you know, I, we can easily think of, oh, these all these people are from so long ago, they don't actually speak to my current day reality. Um, and yet, you know, this sense of being handed a life, right, that we cannot construct on our own. I mean, part of that's this kind of American mythology, right, that we can create ourselves. And we still try to do it. I guess it's been with us since the Garden of Eden. But, you know, this this sense that we can construct ourselves 
And if only we could construct our lives perfectly, then everything would be okay. But we we don't have the power to do that. No. Yeah. And we don't actually want it. I Mm-mm. think that's the other thing is like, I mean, in the moment, of course, <laughs> right, do right. I want to be able to change the hard circumstances and choose something else. Yeah. So I mean, you know, when you think about Hannah, for example, she was in circumstances that she definitely didn't want. I mean, dealing with infertility, and having a second wife, Penina, who just, you know, was so belligerent and horrible to her. And she would never have chosen chosen those circumstances. I mean, none of us would. But it was through that that she came to know that God saw her, cared for her, provided for her. And she basically had this like, second act in life that was just full of redemption. And so I think it, yeah, it just gives me a lot of hope that in the circumstances we don't want, God is at work and God will continue to be at work as we stay in step with him. It's, there's no circumstance that is too difficult for him to overcome, redeem, or make new. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. So I think often we can think of our circumstances like, you know, if I just learn this lesson, right? Or, you know, like even if you think about Hannah, right? If she somehow devotes herself to God enough, right, that her circumstances will change. And lo and behold, she gets pregnant, you know, with Samuel. And, you know, so there's a sense in which often we can think that part of the process is like for God to teach us a lesson. Help us understand what's going on in this, these stories really that you're, you're digging into and help, help give us some maybe handholds for understanding that in our own lives. You know, I think maybe, maybe the way that I think about it and frame it a little bit differently is that it's not ultimately about learning lessons. It's about knowing Christ. It's about growing in relationship. You know, my, my marriage with my husband isn't about me learning lessons about who he is or about like, you know, what it looks like to love him, serve him. I mean, yes, those are important things, right? That's, I want to know how to love him well and serve him well and be served well by him. But <laughs> the goal is deeper intimacy, deeper knowledge of the one that you love, a closer relationship. And I think that is what these biblical men and women learn. I mean, Paul, I love Paul. And his is kind of this inverse of like, he thought he knew. He thought he knew who the God of the Israelites was. He had dedicated his life to becoming smarter about God and knowing more about the law 
And then this interaction with Christ, where he's blinded on the road, turns everything inside out, and he will spend the rest of his life proclaiming the glories of Christ and coming to know Christ as the treasure. Everything else is dust. Everything else is dung compared to the treasure of knowing Jesus. And, you know, if Paul wanted to boast in the lessons he'd learned, man, he would have had more, (laughs) as he says, like, I've been stoned this many times, shipwrecked this many times, like, you know, whipped, I mean, left for dead, starving, like he had a lot of quote unquote lessons, but for him, that wasn't, that wasn't it. Like the prize was knowing Christ and making him known. And that is what we see. Mary, the mother of Jesus, like she had to deal with the shame of basically looking like a wanton woman and having a child out of wedlock and probably only having Joseph believe her because God spoke to him in a dream, you know? Um, Mary Magdalene, who was just besotted with demons and had massive struggles, probably had a reputation before knowing Jesus. These women show us, Paul shows us, the disciples show us. That's one of my other chapters. The goal wasn't to, yeah, to ultimately have something in them fixed by a lesson taught. It was to have their hearts renewed by relationship with a Savior. And that comes with repentance. It comes with sanctification and change. Like we can't get out of that. We don't just get to say, I love Jesus and I'm just going to stay the way I am. Like it is through our painful circumstances. It is through our trials and tribulations that we come to know the goodness of a savior who never leaves us or forsakes us, of a king who is sovereign over it all, and of a Lord who is close to the brokenhearted, who is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. But the ultimate prize is knowing Jesus through it all so that we can stand in confidence and say, I am loved, I am known, I am seen, I am cared for even in this great sorrow. And there's a day coming when everything will be made new, every tear will be wiped away, and these circumstances will be but fading pains that can't outweigh the glory that's to come. Amen. And like, don't we need those messages of hope, right, that are so strong, right? Then just like, oh, the beach vacation will solve it, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and it's always a letdown because it never right, does right. because you have to go back to your real life, you know? And and ultimately, we have to come back to ourselves and we have to acknowledge like part of the reason my life isn't very peaceful is because I have lots of issues, you know? But But there's also a solace in that of like, that's okay. Jesus isn't isn't afraid of those either. Like, and in relationship with him, those things get worked out as we immerse ourselves in the truth of the word. So what was your experience like um, writing the book? Did it feel like you came out of it more peaceful as you dug into these stories? Um, Did you kind of wash, did the peace wash over you in in the sense that um, by spending so much time in the word, reminding yourselves, yourself of these important truths, right? Both God wants to hear our pain, our suffering, our confusion, and he's good, and he's going to build something beautiful and redeem it. Uh, what did it look like? Did you still wake up with the with the panic attacks? You know, yeah, I mean, it didn't happen overnight, that's for sure. I think it kind of felt like a long obedience in the same direction of I'm going to choose to let my mind be transformed by the word, which is alive and active. And that between that and 
you know, being in prayer and getting in another church community and not leaving the church, but actually staying in the broader church community and letting the body of Christ help heal us. I was so encouraged. What it ultimately came down to is I was like, you know what? The same God who met Paul on the road and changed his life and studied him and provided for him and met him is the same God who is caring for me. The same God who um, met Ruth in her shattered dreams and in the life that she thought she had to totally let go of. She had nothing left. The same God who cared for her and divinely orchestrated her steps and her life and her place in the lineage of Christ. That is the same God who sees my life and is divinely ordering my steps. And so it just gave me to be in the word and to see God at work in the lives of these very human and failing and flawed men and women is to say, is to see for me that God is good and he's going to get his will accomplished in our lives gently, tenderly, sometimes painfully, but he, he cares for us in the midst of our trials. And, and so the same King who cared for all these wonderful men and women of the Bible is the same King who's caring for us. And that gave my heart so much confidence to wake up and say, no, I have no idea what's ahead, but God does. I have no idea how we're going to be provided for financially in this season, but God does. And he did. He took care of us. He continues to take care of us. And so absolutely, it was it was through seeing the character of God played out in these men and women that I was able to walk in more peace as I as I came to trust and believe that this is the same God who cares for me. And I love just how you brought attention to just the work that it requires, that there is a discipline to it and that you and that it also involves community. And I just appreciate so much having been hurt by a church that you're talking about that then you didn't you didn't eject from the body of the larger body of Christ either um, to realize that your wounds from the church need to be healed in the church. So thank you for that testimony too. It's true. And I mean, you know, in my flesh in times, I wish it wasn't that way, right? It seems like it would be a lot easier to just eject from the church. But I, we decided a long time ago, and we've been in ministry for, you know, a decade and a half, I think at this point, is if Christ gave his life for the church and gave his best to the church and laid his life down for the church, there is no plan B. <laughs> There's no Christian life without the church. And you don't heal the arm that got wounded by cutting it off from the body. You leave it connected to the body. And it's painful and it's hard, but Christ loves his church. And so I'm going to learn to love what Christ's love, what Christ loves, even though it costs me a great deal. Um, and of course, you don't stay under toxic leadership or abusive you know, leadership, but we don't get to leave the church because Christ didn't leave the church. So it's hard, it's painful, but it's so worth it. And it's ultimately beautiful to be a part of Christ's body and the local church here on earth. Amen. Maybe that should be your next book. Just saying. <laughs> oh. Well, Anne, as we continue, uh, I would love to just hear your laundry routine. What does it look like these days? <laughs> oh, man. I'm not sure it's anything to get excited about, but um, it looks like trying to throw in enough loads to see a family with two little kids through the week and um, washing the sheets very not as often as I probably should. So, we have a big couch downstairs that just has kind of a perpetual like pile of laundry on it. So, right. Yep. 
the laundry you will always have with you. (laughs) Yes. And you know what? I used to hate it. And I've kind of come to terms with the fact that like, this is our life and praise God that I have clothes to wash for the people that I love. (laughs) There you go. Right. You know, the circumstances will never change. There will always be laundry. (laughs) But God's peace is available even in the midst (laughs) of the mountains of laundry. Look at that. that. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much for being here with us and giving us so much hope um, in the midst of our challenging circumstances. Thanks for having me, Ashley. It's a blessing. I hope you're encouraged by that conversation with Ann Swindell. The link to her book, The Path to Peace, Experiencing God's Comfort Where You're Overwhelmed is in the show notes, as well as if you are an aspiring writer and writing courses that you can get connected to. But I want to leave you friends with one small step as we move about our busy, harried, overwhelmed lives. And it is simply to practice a small discipline. I'm going to ask you to practice a small discipline with your body and with your attention. So practice a small discipline with your body. Maybe it's drinking some more water or going for a daily walk. And maybe you want to walk five miles, but you only get in 10 minutes and that is okay. But to practice these habit forming things with our bodies will then spill over to a habit of attention. And I would encourage you if you tend to be overwhelmed, I know I can easily get overscheduled and fall into a pit of overwhelm. And it is to choose not only to move your body maybe, but to choose to actually dig into the Bible. Maybe something small, or maybe you're going through Anne's devotional and you can not worry about figuring out the great Bible reading plan. You can just follow along with her book. But whatever it is, whether it's one verse a day and 10 minutes of walking, choose two habits to discipline your time and your attention. And I promise these will be helpful tools right in the midst of our overwhelm. Friends, it's so encouraging to be here with you. If you have not yet subscribed, would you take a moment to do do so? We have some fun shifts happening with the podcast that will all be unveiled in the new year. So don't miss anything. Make sure you subscribe. Remember, big things matter, but so does the laundry.